Episode 11 is upon us, my friends, which means it is time to review the music cast. So we did 10 episodes. We had lots of great guests on. They came on. They told their story. They told you a story, hoping that you learned something, hoping that you pulled something out of it. Uh, It's a little bit of a different music cast. It wasn't necessarily uh, per se focused on brand new records or album reviews or concert reviews. We're really just talking about the state of the business, the state of mental health and being fit. It was a blast to put together. And everyone who came on, I can't thank you enough. They made the time and it really got out there. We really cracked some serious numbers on the music cast. And I can't, uh, I'm, I'm just ecstatic about it. So uh, one of the things that was happening was the Varia Brewing Device sponsorship. They came on board. They gave me a bunch to give to the guests, but they gave me one to give away. And I want to do that right now. Liking, sharing, commenting, doing all the things that you were doing to help spread the word on this thing. I can't thank you enough for this. I'll keep thanking you to the moon and back. It was a blast to put this together. And you guys went out there like troops and shared it. And I couldn't be happier. So we're going to give it away. It's the three-in-one coffee maker for my friends at Varia Brewing. Three-in-one coffee maker. It does the mocha. It does the pour-over. It does cold brew. It's a kettle. It does so many cool things. So once you start with it, you're never going to be able to drink coffee the same again. So envelope, please, if I could grab a bit of a drum roll back in the booth there, Michael, in uh, Toronto there, and we will... Rip this thing open, and we will see what we're going to do here. Hold on. The winner of the Varia Brewing Device, Cliff Pellrine from View Lake, Ontario. Thank you, Cliff, for all your liking and sharing. Lots of comments from you, lots of messages, lots of people that you were sharing it with reaching out, saying, hey, just discovering this through Cliff, and can't thank you enough, so... Hope you're drinking real coffee. You're about to learn how to make real coffee. So it's in the mail. You should see it anytime. Make sure you post about it. Tell us how you like it. Congratulations. On to the next one, which starts in just a week or two, depending on how we get this thing together. Big news coming up on that. We switched to travel. I got a co-host. You're going to learn about that. I mean, she's an Olympian, and we're going to talk about travel. So that's coming up next. In the meantime, it's the review episode. So we're going to get into this. We're going to start talking about what we did and all the different things and how it went. So buckle in, my friends. Here we go. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Out on stage, I get to bring all of these people together for three hours. You're listening to the Brenton on Tour Music Cast. Brought to you by people who love music, people who make music, and all things, well, music. You still don't really know who he is, but he just helped you stop drinking shitty coffee on the coffee cast. So, get off the John, grab a ghetto blaster, hit record and play at the same time, and learn a thing or two about music. It's the Brenton on Tour Music Cast. Here's BD. I was lucky enough to be joined by Barry Kirch from rock band Shinedown, who were in Abbotsford, just up the street from me. They're on tour. And uh, Barry has a great story. The band Shinedown has a great story. Sold millions of albums. Have been through some times, but have persevered, have come through. Still touring the world, still selling arenas, festivals. Brand new record that they just dropped, and they're supporting it. And he's got a coffee brand as well. So it was just made sense to start the, the music cast with Barry and... He was gracious enough to come on, and I 
talked to him about a variety of subjects, but one of the things that we talked about was touring in 2020 and beyond, staying fit, how he's staying fit, and his regime. And this is what he had to say. You know, and about his depression. So I think by us really just being honest with ourselves and then through the songs to the audience and telling them the true stories has made us even happier because we just it took that weight off our shoulder and said, this is who we are. And the more we freely talk about it, especially for somebody like Eric, the more he freely talks about it, the better he feels. And now he's reaching out to try to help others. Karen Bliss, one of the true gems of the Canadian music industry, music journalist, founder of Samaritan Mag, which just tells nothing but amazing stories about what people are doing from around the world. I couldn't be happier to have her on. I was thinking of her almost instantaneously when I was thinking about putting together the music cast and, and talking about music and what people are bringing to the table and all of it. And, oh man, Karen just, she came right on board and she was very excited to be able to talk about things. And I was very excited to have her on. Uh, she, we've got a mutual love of coffee as well, which was awesome. And uh, she just has written so many articles and done so many wonderful things for the business that I wanted to ask her about her favorite interviews, sort of the favorite things that she's done. And I couldn't be happier with the story that she told because, well, Pearl Jam just dropped a brand new record. She interviewed Eddie Vedder. She's going to talk a little bit about it. Maybe, just maybe, she'll get a chance to do it again. Perfect timing. We'll see. This is Karen Bliss. Britney Spears, I believe I was the first person in Canada to interview her. Uh, Kurt Cobain, which might be dating myself. Um, who else? <laughs> and uh, my, I get, you know, I don't really have a favorite, but I interviewed Eddie Vedder when I was starting out. I knew Pearl Jam's 10, like the back of my hand. I freaking loved that album. I still love that album. And I so enjoyed talking to him. It was over the phone. And I don't even think the album, it, it either had just come out or was coming out. And it was just, it was hilarious. You, it, it's actually been reprinted on Billboard for, uh, it was like an anniversary. It might have been for the Hall of Fame induction. So I dug up the cassette tape and transcribed it. Mm. And Billboard reran the story. And it's funny because uh, at the end of the interview, he said, if you need anything else, just call me back. And I've never interviewed him again. And they just became huge. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. I had no connection. And all these years later, I would love to sit down with Eddie Vedder again. And especially because of Samaritan Mag and, you know, the all the charity work that he does. Um, and it's just never, ever happened. Aaron Chapman, great friend of mine. Local historian in Vancouver, knows everything that there is to know about the city. Brand new book, Vancouver After Dark, just came out. Went to number one in Vancouver, like all of his other books went to number one in Vancouver because people want to know what's going on, what's happening in the city. And hopefully, he'll be able to tell this story about other cities around the world and Canada. I mean, he's great. So, Aaron, thanks for coming on. Huge congrats on the number one book. I'm pretty confident it's because you came on the podcast, but hey. What do you know? Aaron talks about Vancouver, what it was like coming through the city, seeing shows, what happened to the club scene, where it went, where it's going. It just was a really great chat, and Aaron really was informative and had some great stuff to say. So 
Here's Aaron touching a little bit about Vancouver after dark. Not long after that, the rise of Gastown. Uh, neighborhood happens. You Define know. Gastown for is it. A, is it a town is, full of gas? It's what, not, it, what yeah, it? I should. You uh, got a steam it, clock. It, yeah, this famous steam clock. If you come to Vancouver, you hear about Gastown. Gastown sort of where the city, quote unquote, began. And it's and it's the funny thing is, it's old. it's old, but it's only so old because the way it was created with the brick streets and that was all in the 1970s. It wasn't like that. It hasn't been this preserved Edwardian corner of the. You know, that's a little bit for the tourists. There's an alleyway there called Blood Alley, and people think, why, was there butcher shops there or somebody killed? No, they just the, the architect that was supervising the renovation of Gastown just thought it would be a great name. For, for, you know, so we have sometimes, a, you know, Vancouver's a very young city, you know, in that sense. Um, so as, and as I say, the, the changes that have happened in Vancouver have happened before your very eyes. So, and it, that's what makes it kind of unique, you know. But, but with all those changes, as the city's grown, you've also seen big changes in the music industry. So it's been a complete shift. So there's very few clubs, as, we, as we're talking about, you know, Commodore Barroom being one. You know, the Vogue is still, but the Vogue didn't used to always have bands. It was kind of like a place where Stomp, you know, would happen, or the sort of musical productions and things like that. It's only more in recent years it's become, that's become a show. There's new clubs that have arisen, and new venues like the Rickshaw Theater and the Imperial and some places like that. The Biltmore is still around, even though the Biltmore was a biker bar in the 70s. Um, but it's, it's been interesting to watch. And, and some people ask me, you know, is it, are, are, is that, is the great era of live music over? Is rock and roll dead now? And with these, all these clubs gone. And, and I, I don't think so. I think, I think there's, there's always ebbs and flows of these things. Um, and I think there's, what I've found interesting is in some of the stuff that's happening in town is actually happening in places, some of these places off the map. There's a place called 333 Clark, which is called 333, but it just, it just shut down is another example because the, it was in an old sort of mechanics uh, building, but they were doing like hardcore shows in there. Um, there's a place just up the road from us here called the clubhouse. Uh, that's done. It's, it's in this warehouse. And I walked in there and it was packed and I couldn't believe like, God, there's all these millennials watching live music. I, I almost on I, their I, phone. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, they were actually watching They were taking some pictures, but they were actually there and, and, and watching it and present. And, and a tear almost came to my eye thinking like, this is exactly. Well, they were judging music, <laughs> <laughs> but they was, it was cool to see. So some of it's, some of it's kind of receded underground, which yeah, maybe yeah. is good for it. You know, that it goes underground a little bit again. So then it comes back with a, with, so with a vengeance. You go, you go, uh, I mean, this is book number four. Yes. Right. So walk me through the process. So you, you start, uh, with the penthouse, correct? Started uh, with the book on the penthouse nightclub called liquor, lust and the law in 2012. That is, this came a, up. is this a you idea or is this, uh, is this based on your local knowledge of the city? <sighs> Arsenal comes to you and says, Hey, do you want to do this? That was a weird thing. I, you know, I, I was, I was writing on the side. I kind of enjoyed writing on tour. I would sometimes like, write an article and email it back to Vancouver to maybe somebody who might run it in a, in a, you know, whether it was in a And when you were on tour, they didn't have email. So that was a whole, (laughs) it was a whole other thing. It was was tricky to do, you know, like, um, and I had written an article for the Vancouver courier about the penthouse and the penthouse is a sort of notorious place that goes back decades in Vancouver. And it has this really wild history going back to the thirties and forties. Um, but the, and the, and famously there was a murder, next door there in 1983 of Joe Filipponi, who was the patriarch of the Filipponi family and started the penthouse, who got... Hence the, hence the soprano tag. So it's the, hence the soprano tag. And, and uh, you know, the, the, that murder has always been sort of uh, a, a long shadow cast over the family. And, and 
but I didn't get into that. I got into it in an article, but I didn't start with it. And I got into other things that I thought were quite frankly more interesting. And Danny Filipponi, the, who's the, who's the uh, nephew of Joe Filipponi and the son of Ross Filipponi, who runs, runs that place now, really liked it and thought it was really well written and also sort of showcased the history of that place in a really fair way. Because I thought some of the things that had been said about the place, and it wasn't really true, you know, it was just the sort of, the, real, the truth is actually even better than some of the made up stuff. What a great story coming up here. Two great stories, actually. Frank Sidoris, guitar player for Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, jumps on board. Massive coffee fan. So we could talk for hours about that. Tours around the world, trying to find the best coffee in the world. But before that, was a Vegas kid. Had an opportunity to try out and make it in Slash's band. You know, be the guy. Be Slash's rhythm guitar player. A dream come true for any guitar player. I don't care what age you are. Slash calls. He wants you to try out. You go. Well, Frank did, and I think it served him well. Frank tells you about how that went. Did he get the gig? Clearly. How did he get it? Here it is. We gelled, and so I walked away thinking, look, if I don't get the gig, I, I had a good time with these guys. We played Paradise City. I played it with Slash. I can walk with that, and that's a, that's a high note, whatever. And um, about, I think, the next morning I fl- at 3 a.m., I flew to Buffalo and met up with the tour again. And so uh, two days later, I'm in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and I get a text from Slash. And he's like, hey, man, I'm going to call you uh, tomorrow, and that's all I get. I'm like, okay, sounds good, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like, you're supposed to function, right? Yeah, I was <laughs> like, what? Oh, okay, sounds good, man. You know, talk to you soon. So then he calls me after sound check, and he's just cool as hell. Like, hey, man, how's it going? How's your, uh, how's your gig? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's like, so... By unanimous decision, uh, we want you in the band. I mean, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, and I got so much going on. I'm good. And then I hung up the phone. That's not true. So I, uh, <laughs> I said, hey, dude. Uh, no, I said, uh, absolutely. I would love to. I, you know, and he just, he was so cool, man, because he doesn't even know this, but uh, he goes, well, is there anything you need? Like, do you need any gear? Do you need uh, any amps or guitars? Like, you know, he's asking me this. And, to answer his question truthfully, uh, I absolutely needed amps and I needed more guitars because I only had three guitars worth touring with and I only had one killer amp. So I was like, I don't have any backups. And with running with Slash's World, you need two separate rigs of, at a minimum, two heads, uh, two cabinets, eight, eight to ten guitars in each rig. You know what I mean? And I only had three. But I lied to him and said, no, 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 I'm good. <laughs> I got everything. And so... Uh, just to make sure I was solidified and I didn't have any sort of hiccups. I just said, yes. And, uh, through Brent and a, and a lot of friends and Gibson guitars, uh, coming through, they said, look, you know, they loaned me a couple of guitars. They ended up just letting me keep. And I ended up buying a bunch over time, but, uh, you know, I, I, I really, I worked hard to make that work, but you know, in hindsight, knowing slash now, it would have been as simple as like, uh, what do you need? Okay, no problem. But <laughs> So Frank gets the gig. He tours around the world, as I mentioned, trying to find the best coffee in the world, hanging out with fellow conspirators Brent Fitz and Todd Kearns, who both appeared in the coffee cast. Tragedy, his wife Allie finds that she has cancer. What do you do? You've got your dream gig. You're touring around the world. You don't want to let your guys down. You don't want to let Slash down. What's the next thing? How do you move on? How do you function how do you keep playing shows you're in the middle of a tour so frank and i talk a little bit about it Allie's great she's doing awesome she's cancer free but it was scary for a while frank tells you about it 
how am I going to continue this tour? How am I going to, I mean, I need to go home. And I, I had that decision made almost like, I, I really don't know what to do. And, um, I think, uh, once we finished that European tour, I came home and we ended up going to California to figure some stuff out. They had a game plan set in stone and, um, you know, back to touring, I really felt like I shouldn't be on this next run. So I, I spoke with my tour manager and she was the only person I really said anything to about, you know, considering not going. And, and she had her, she had her own issues. I mean, thankfully Cheryl was out there with you. I have to, yeah, we really owe so much to her because without her, um, we wouldn't have had her doctor's referral and her doctor's referral was the doctor we ended up going with, um, for Allie's treatment. And, uh, it just completely saved everyone, you know, saved Allie's life. It's just a total godsend. And Cheryl had gone through all this just about what a year prior, correct? So yeah, but like I'd say, a year to two, and it was, uh, you know, she ended up going on tour and doing her own thing. Man, it was crazy. Like throughout it all, throughout chemo and everything, it was just <laughs> so she knew. Well, kudos to Cheryl, and that, I'm sure that was a big uh, help for you to have her. Oh my God, she, there to have someone there. that's gone you know? through it means a lot to the person that's uh, new to the situation. You know. What's the best part about touring as a musician in 2020? Especially, you know, since you've toured for 35, 40 years and you've been playing with Rod Stewart and you've seen it all. Or are you the new tour manager who's getting out there, who's got to wrangle these guys who've been touring for 30 and 40 years? But what's the best part about it? I had Dave Palmer and Ben Melman on. They talked about touring around the world, what it was like, what it was, how, how he got the gig with Rod Stewart how Ben got the gig as the tour manager for Rod Stewart and Ben's young. I mean, Ben's a new tour manager. So we, you know, there's a difference between what it was like and what it is now. And so Dave will tell you what it was like and Ben will tell you what it is now. But in this little section, they talk about their favorite part of touring and it's cool. They both have similarities, both love touring, the debauchery has gone. So now it's just about the music and where it's going. And this is what they had to say. Best part of touring Worst part of touring and where do you think touring is going in 20, 2020 and beyond? I know it's three parts, but okay. For, uh, best, uh, best, I'll do the best part of touring and worst part of touring first. Best part of touring is I love the playing. I love the two hours each night. You know, I love the, uh, I, I, it, to me, it, it's, 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 uh, it's, when you get in that zone, it's, it's safe. It's a safe place, you know, and it's like, it's almost like, you kind of forget where you're at, you know, you, it's, 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 it's great. And, and I love visiting. I, I love being able to visit interesting places and cities and, and just, yeah, I feel really blessed to be, you know, to be able to do this, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a really charmed, it's quite a charmed life, you know? And, uh, so it's, um, yeah, I feel, I'm pretty humbled by it all, you know, and that's, and that's the, that's, that's the way I've always been, you know, it's not, I don't take anything for granted, you know. Worst part about touring is I get slightly homesick these days. I miss my daughter, you know, I miss my, I miss my wife, you know, it's, I get slightly, uh, I get slightly homesick, you know, and uh, that's pretty much it. That's the only downside of it, really, I can say, you know, it's a job what I chose to do. You know, it's, and it's, 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 
It's a fantastic job. Now, what was the third? Where do you see touring going in 2020 oh, and beyond? Yeah. Because a lot of bands are trying to be green and a yeah. lot of bands are trying to like tidy yeah. it up and try to I do know. stuff. So, I mean, touring is kind of on autopilot for yeah. the most part if you got a great tour manager yeah. and production managers and stuff that, that keep it rolling. But yeah. do you see a change for the artists? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. I, I, I see a change. There's, there's been a big change, I think, in the artist. And, and I think... Actually, you must see it, and, and Ben must see it even more, is that I think if you put a great package together these days of a two or a three or a co-headline, you've got a very good possibility of it being a good sellout tour. But you, you, I, I think the, the idea these days and the fallacy that you can go out there unless you are a really hot you know, top top twenty, top ten, even is and but hey, you know what? I know that the there was times when Rihanna and people like that, she was like selling mega amounts of her albums and couldn't sell an arena out. You know, could not. She'd have to have people. You know, with it. and that's that's no disrespect to her. It's just the way it is. I think that it's very very. It's, that's that's very different now. I think it's it's. It's, you know, it's, and I suppose it's ticket prices as well, maybe, and, you know, not the abundance anymore, you know? I think to touch on Dave's point, you know, with uh, the way that touring used to be is some, you would, as a consumer, they would have to pick whether, you know, how much money they're willing to invest into the music economy. Do they, can they afford to buy an album and a ticket? And now that, that streaming has dramatically reduced how much disposable income is being spent on hard copy albums. You know, does that create more opportunity for fans to buy more tickets? Yeah. Um, and then we, we have seen the ticket prices increasing, increasing over the last, I don't know how many years. Uh, so I think that's what I'm most fascinated about in the future is, is where is technology and where, where are these kind of up and coming players going to take the future of touring? What as it, you know, when it comes to can can you reduce ticket prices at all using different technologies, or can you can you make touring more efficient or more green or more practical so that there's more money to be you know made for artists yeah. um, and, and, and instead of them getting price gouged, yeah. and maybe that drops the ticket price for consumers a little bit. Um, so that yeah. that's where I'm excited to see what happens. Q unique man, this guy was so much fun to tour with last summer. I was out with Corn and Allison Chains. You know, we did workouts together, always had a story to tell. King's Bounty, Stillwell, plays in all these bands. But in the early 90s, he was part of a huge movement of New York hip-hop. Late 80s, early 90s even. And he's got a story to tell. He toured with Public Enemy. Man, he's toured with everybody. But he's got a great story about Chuck D and Public Enemy. I couldn't be happier to have him on. We were in Brooklyn, so you can hear the coffee shop in the background. You just get that noise in New York. You get his accent. It's everything New York, and it's one of my favorite interviews I've done. Q and I just hanging out and having coffee, eating scones. Uh, it was just great. So this is Q Unique from Brooklyn, New York. Chuck D always had that voice and had that uh, man when he that when he spoke and when he speaks now, yeah. even with Prophets of Rage and all the rest of it. I listen. I mean, this guy just got, he's just got that powerful voice. And to me, I would imagine being out with with him would have been a learning experience at the time here's what's trippy sometimes you you always tell people you never know who's listening exactly right 
So when we when we got booked to go out with Public Enemy, that was our, our, it was already mind blowing. We were like, whoa, I can't believe this is happening, right? So I remember getting to JFK, that's the airport, walking in, and the first person I see is Chuck D. Right? We're about to go to Europe. So in my head, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to be quiet. He doesn't know who I am. I walk over. He goes, what's up, Q Unique? And my mind was blown. It didn't make any sense. I didn't understand. Like, how does he know me? You know? He's paying attention. So, it, like, like it, it just it tripped me out. I was like, whoa. Really? This is how we're going to start it? Like, so it was amazing. And then... The funny, the funniest story. I have two funny stories. I'll start with the the more of the chuckle story first. We were on stage, and on the last show of the tour, Chuck invited us to go and do a freestyle uh, cipher with him on stage. Now Terminator X had already retired, so he wasn't there. The DJ, they had a new DJ, DJ Lord, right? Now, we all knew that, but one of the members of the arsonists wasn't paying attention. So, <laughs> so we're like rapping and passing the mic, rapping and passing the mic. So that member, his name is Swell, he gets it, and he's going crazy, rapping, rap, 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 rap. And the beat drops, and he goes, something, something up next is Terminator X. And we were like, no. No, no. <laughs> this is before the internet <laughs> Exactly So we were all laughing And I remember the DJ dropped his head Like, oh man <laughs> In episodes 9 and 10 I had this idea about getting A bunch of people together From the Vancouver music scene To talk about What's been going on Where music's going You know, it's a similar path That I'm talking about Like, where, where is it headed? Where is music going? And you know, so I have music producers on I got Garth Richardson You know, Rage Against the Machine Red Hot Chili Peppers Doug, who produced Biff Naked. We've got venue people with Corinne from the Rio, who raised $8 million, you know, to, to save it with the help of Kevin Smith and Ryan Reynolds and a massive online campaign. Lyle Chasse from management. I've got Todd Hancock, you know, from radio and has a very successful podcast now. JJ from Scrape Records, who had one of the, you know, only really rad, cool record stores in Vancouver that, you know, sold metal and but he for, turned it into a record label and he's since closed the, the store. But how did he come through that? Christina Lau, you know, current musician battling through trying to make her way. She's also an actress and Dave Roberts from the washboard union. You know, they just, uh, one breakthrough album or breakthrough artist of the year at the Junos, which is the Canadian Grammys. And, um, uh, how do they have the battle through and how they're doing it, how they're selling merch and making music and making money off music and surviving. Well, Garth was on the panel. You know, we were live from Nimbus recording uh, in Vancouver, which is Garth's school. Uh, it was produced by it. We filmed it for YouTube, which you can find at uh, Brenton on tour. So really cool. It was a great uh, hour. We broke it up into two episodes. And I didn't, I didn't want to pull, you know, a one-minute clip or two-minute clips out of that uh, because everyone just had something really great to say. So you're going to have to go back and listen to both of them or go watch it on YouTube. But I did pull out a little clip of Dave from Washboard Union presenting Garth with a Juno for all of his help with their career. And I thought, what a fitting way to end the music cast will give away a Juno. And I'm not sure it's been done in a podcast before, but hey, there you go. So here it is, episode 9 and 10, The Roundtable and a Juno. 
But getting Garth and Dave on the same panel because Dave owes Garth twenty five dollars. Yeah, Dave owes yeah. twenty five bucks. Dave owes Garth twenty five dollars, and I told him that Garth might hit him. Well, so that's the reason why I like him down here. Separated. That's why I separated them. Keep but separated. you. You, you said you had you, you have the 25 bucks. Well, I've got some money in my pocket right now that I could actually <laughs> can you, can give. We, yeah. yeah, I don't I'll want do any fights. I'll take so, whatever you get. We need to know what this is about. <laughs> well, there's probably a studio story we can't talk about. And I should mention, uh, if you want uh, local Vancouver music... This is actually pretty rare, seeing a musician uh, put his hand in his pocket and come out with some money. So. <laughs> <laughs> put that on the internet. Uh, Look at that. Five Canadian Look at that twenty-five bucks, and then uh, we have a little Canadian bit of a surprise. Pro. We have a little bit of a surprise for uh, for people. This doesn't. Uh Look good on 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 podcast as far as uh, the look of it, but it's going to sound really great. Dave, you got something uh, that you wanted to talk to Garth about? I'm just going to put that there. You guys watch that. I'll be right back. Uh -oh. Wait, we're going to play some uh, Jeopardy music. I'm scared. It's awesome. So uh, I was saying earlier that uh, Garth was actually one of the early believers in our band and um, showed up when nobody else did, which was pretty incredible. So uh, this year we were fortunate enough to win um, Breakthrough uh, Group of the Year at the Junos. And uh, we would like to share this on behalf of uh, Chris and Aaron. And uh, you open that up. And um, it's just kind of, Holy. we can't thank you enough for being the first person at the table. Whoa. Dude, that wow. is incredible. I get my 25 bucks back though, right? <laughs> is that the first uh, Juno presented on a nice. podcast? I'm not sure, but that's great. Dave, thanks for bringing that and thanks for Washboard Union for suggesting it because uh, they brought it to our attention about wanting to do it. So Garth, thank you. what do you got to say, my friend? I'm in tears. <laughs> Seriously, I am. Wow. Congratulations, Garth. Congratulations to Washboard Union. Thank you, Union. guys. Well, that's been, oh, wow. Very cool. Fantastic. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much for joining me for the music cast. As mentioned, we switched to travel next. I got a co-host. You're going to meet her. We're probably going to give her something away, which is really awesome. Huge thanks to Todd Hancock and the Todd Cast Podcast. Rad site. Get over there. ToddHancock.ca. Massive, massive music content. Loads and loads and loads. Interviews all over the place. Todd's been doing it for a long time. Total pro. And he presented this. I couldn't be happier. Thanks for your contribution, Todd. Thanks for your support. Thanks for helping me get this podcast off the ground. Really awesome. Hosted by Dean Blundell and DeanBlundell.com. The team over there, thank you guys for all your professionalism and awesomeness and promoting this thing out here every week. Love being a part of the network. Seeing some great growth over there. Wait for a DeanBlundell.com network for Vancouver and the rest of Canada and beyond, maybe. We'll see. It's coming soon. Mikey P, back in Toronto. Huge thanks for all your production and everything you do over there. Just so much help. And thanks to you guys for listening, sharing, and liking all the things. Until next time, my friends, this is the Brenton on Tour Music Cast. Rock on. I'm 
Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Kids. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we, we the perfect, perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell, Blundell Network. Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because, because democracy, democracy is, is something, something you do. do.